Welcome again. Good morning. We are, if you've not been with us, finishing up a series in the book of Ephesians. We've been through Ephesians now, starting back, I think, I don't know, September-ish or so. Uh, So we're going to wrap that up today. And then a little bit later in the service, we are going to actually kick off our Advent celebration. We'll, uh, We'll light a candle and sort of begin... Uh, our this time of the year, what we that, that I think you know, Cindy really uh, talked about earlier of just reflection and thinking about who Jesus is and what He's done for us and and our gratefulness in that. So uh, Kevin will come a little bit later and and lead us in that. Last week we looked at chapter five of Ephesians. I talked about uh, marriage, the marriage relationship, and the biblical definition of submission. Uh, I want to thank you, by the way, for you. I got some uh, good feedback from that. I always appreciate getting feedback. So even if it's, you know, if you guys have questions about something I say, you don't like what I say, you disagree, that's okay. You know what the rules are, but I should restate just, that, you know, the the cost of a complaint is about $3.70 or something. Today it's gone up. It's actually the price of an Americano. You buy me an Americano, you can talk to me for as long as you want. So that's how it works. But I do enjoy that. I actually enjoy that interaction and hearing from you. Uh, last week I actually got good feedback, so I, I appreciate that as well. Uh, this morning, as I mentioned, we're going to wrap up the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at chapter 6, uh, or most of it. And uh, our title this morning is, There's More Than Meets the Eye. That's a big eye there. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Scary. Uh, but let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll read the text together and uh, see what we can do. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts today, that uh, we could look into your word, and that from that we could draw life, and that it would... Uh, Cause us to draw nearer to you, not just in information, but in transformation. That your word would bring a transformation into our lives and help us to become more and more like you. In your name we pray, amen. All right, this is uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to read uh, beginning at verse 10 through about verse 17, I think. Finally, so finally meaning everything we said, this is the last thing. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want to I want to start a little bit by uh, talking this morning about germs. N- now I am um, I'm not a germaphobe like some people. You know, some people are like really afraid of germs. Uh, I've become uh, more aware of germs over the last couple years. Most of you are aware of uh, 
you know, the story with our, our grandkids, Jackson and Cadence, and they, have, uh, they were born early and they have compromised immune systems. And so as a family, we've had to be more germ conscious. We've had to, to do, take extra measures, remember to wash our hands and things like that when we're around the kids to help keep them from getting sick. And I know some people, I'm not at the point yet where you put the uh, mask on when you get on the airplane. I fly periodically, and, and, and I've noticed the last couple years more and more, every time I fly, more and more people wearing surgical masks on the plane. It always looks a little bit weird to me, but I'm not going to fault those folks. I really get it. I, sometimes I'm on that plane, and you know that that air is just circulating around there, and it's just gross. But whatever. I'm not there yet. Maybe next year. I realize germs are everywhere, though, right? They're everywhere. They're on money. You know, you handle money all the time. Money's gross. It's disgusting. No, you have no idea where that's been. Uh <laughs> They're they're in the air. You breathe them. Uh, I I believe it or not. I know this is you know, but I I do. I work out a couple times a week. I go to the gym. The gym is an incubator for germs. There's just germs in there. It's yuck, sweaty bodies, touching stuff. That's not good. Um, <laughs> you you can't see germs, right? We can't see them, but we we know they're there. They're, we're aware of them. They're there. And and if you're not conscious and you're not aware of germs. And you don't take preventative measures. I always wipe down the stuff at the gym, you know. If we don't do that, then they can affect us, right? Well, spiritual warfare is a lot like that. We don't always see what's happening around us. We're not always, it's, it's invisible in many ways, and yet... It has the ability, if we're not aware, to impact us. Paul talks here in Ephesians about the devil's schemes. And that word, schemes, means uh, exactly what it sounds like it means. The devil is tricky. He's crafty. He's very sneaky. And we should not underestimate his sneakiness. Uh, <laughs> I knew Roger would appreciate that. That's a line from an uh, Adam Sandler movie, for those of you that may not uh, he, he rarely, you know, the devil rarely hits us with a full frontal assault. He's not like the SWAT team that comes with the big battering ram and knocks the front door down. That's just not his style. Typically, he will sneak up on you and attack at places and times and in ways in which we don't expect. Um, and, and I want to I add here, I think, it, I think everybody knows this, but just look, for the record, let's go on record today. Uh, the devil is not the opposite of God, okay? God is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere all the time. The devil is none of those. He is limited in all of his capacities, and, and yet, uh, I, having said that, he's also not stupid, okay? He, he really is crafty and sneaky and tricky, and, and also, as John Wimber used to be fond of saying, the devil never takes a day off. He's a busy little guy, and uh, if we're not conscious and aware of his presence and his activity in the world, it can have a, a, a very detrimental effect, uh, not only on our spiritual life, but on every aspect of our life, on our relationships, and, and all that we're involved in. So even though the devil isn't always visible, we don't always see him, we know he's there. And spiritual warfare really is a reality. Very often, um, this particular section of Scripture is taught 
sort of stand alone. Okay, it'll be taught in a conference setting or in a seminar of some kind uh, with the topic being either the armor of God and or uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, And that's fine. I understand that except for one thing. And that is that it comes in the context of the book of Ephesians. It is connected to everything that he has said before us. And it is important, I would say, imperative for us to recognize at this point that this passage on spiritual warfare is in the context of our relationships with one another. This passage on spiritual warfare is in the context of our relationships with one another. Um, I'm going to say this. If the enemy can tear down relationships within the body of Christ, and if he can sow discord and division among God's holy people, he's one. Okay. He's one. Paul says, finally, our strength, be strong um, in the Lord and in his mighty power. Our strength is in the Lord. It's not in ourselves. It's not in our inner warrior, okay? It's in, a, it's in the Lord. It's not in us. It's in the Lord. Our strength is in the Lord. It's in our ability to do what he's been telling us to do for the last five chapters and take off the old self, which is marked by... Um, sensuality and greed and impurity, put on the new self in the image of Christ, which is marked by humility and compassion and self-sacrifice. Uh, it, it's, it's a little bit humorous to me sometimes when I hear this taught because it, it, it oftentimes is sort of focused on this sort of warrior kind of mentality. Uh, and and this, this thing that we have to, you know, we have to rise up. I, I, I actually, I, oh man, I saw a clip recently. It was actually of a gal preaching. And, and she was wearing um, knee-high leather boots and leather uh, wristbands and had a big sword, like a huge, I think she took two guys to wheel up on stage. Uh, kind of talking about this whole warrior thing. And uh, she looked like, you know, Wonder Woman or She-Ra or... Laura Croft Tomb Raider. I don't know. It just I, I couldn't help thinking. I, I don't. I'm not sure that's it, because my strength is in the Lord. It's not just in my ability to be a badass. You know what I mean? It's it's like uh, it's not about a big sword. It's about my strength in God. He is the strength of my life. Paul says, "When I'm weak, He's strong." It's in my weakness. And my ability to lean into the presence of God that my strength comes from, not from, you know, whatever. Sorry. (laughs) Not really. Sorry, not sorry. Put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We talked a little bit about the devil's schemes. Um, I have to tell you a story. It's completely irrelevant, and it has absolutely no redemptive value. (laughs) Just as a disclaimer. So, So... uh, I used to be a youth pastor at the Vineyard in Anaheim, California, and we uh, were the host church or the, kind of the organizing church for every every summer we would do a regional summer camp, and all the, the vineyards in the area would come together. It was a great event. We started off with three churches one year, and then we had five and ten, and it grew, and it was, a, it was really, really fun. And so one particular year, our theme for the camp was fully armored, 
We're going to do fully armored, and we're talking about the armor of God. So my, my friend and my assistant, Jeff Hamrick, uh, we, we always, when kids would show up for the, for the event, we would give them a T-shirt. You get a shirt for the camp, right? That's kind of the deal, right? So Jeff said, I'll, I'll take care of the shirts this year. I'll do the shirts. So he orders shirts, and they say on the front, you know, fully armored, vineyard, summer camp, whatever, whatever. And then there's a huge picture on the front of a guy like I described. Like, it looked like, it really, it looked like they took uh, Schwarzenegger from Conan the Barbarian. I don't know if you've ever seen that. He's got the headband and the really bad hair, and he's got the big sword. And, and so th- that's what the picture on the shirt looked like. And it was flesh-colored, except he was wearing, like, uh, turquoise blue speedos, and it was it was horrible. It was disgusting. <laughs> so, but but here's the kicker. This is the thing. So we've got pre-registration. We asked churches to pre-register. So we were estimating roughly about 250 kids coming to camp that summer. So Jeff's thinking, well, I'll order 300 shirts so we don't, we, we want to make sure we have enough. So then he goes to order the shirts and the guy tells him, well, hey, we have a price break. If you go 500, you can get this price. It's only a little bit more than 300. So he orders 500 fully armored t-shirts. And so <laughs> it's camp and, and kids are coming in and they're signing up the registry. And literally, this is the truth. They're, they're picking up the shirts and they look at them and they put them back. <laughs> they were so bad that they didn't want to even wear the, the Schwarzenegger uh, Speedo t-shirts. So we end up after camp with like 486 of these fully armored t-shirts. And they're in my office in these boxes. And I'm like, Jeff, you've got to get rid of these shirts. So we were all young adults at the time. Our kids were little. So for years, all of my kids would wear big fully armored t-shirts for pajamas. They're running around the house in fully armored. We are washing our car with them. But... but but they hear this is the, this is the this is the coup de gras. Christmas time. We're going to do an outreach to the homeless in our community. So we're going to do care packages for the homeless. So we're going to put uh, there's toiletries like toothbrush, toothpaste, and some food items, and then we did a drive and asked everybody to buy a, a, clean, a new package of underwear or a package of socks. So we're going to put socks and underwear in the packages. Jeff says, dude, dude, he, he never called me dude, always dude, dude. Dude, dude, we should put a T-shirt in every package. And, I, and I'm like, we cannot give those T-shirts to the homeless. And he goes, they're brand new. They've never been worn. And I go, no, I know they're new, but they're, they're horrible. I lost that battle. And we put a fully armored T-shirt in every homeless care package. And so literally, for a year, I would get calls. People would hey, man, I was getting on the freeway over at 91 in La Palma. And I, I saw this guy out there, had his sign, you know, he need help, homeless. And he was, he was wearing a fully armored T-shirt. It's just like, it was like the biggest debacle of my entire ministry career. Uh, as I mentioned, that has absolutely no redemptive value. But I just thought you needed to know about that. Uh, where are we? Let's move on. Okay. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And I'm going to double down today and give you not one, but two John Wimber quotes. Your brother is never your enemy. And I, I would I say this uh, honestly, in humility and, and with uh, 
with love. Um, when you find yourself at odds with your brother or sister, you fall and pray to the devil's schemes. And, and, and that's not to say that there will never be strife in the body of Christ, that you will never have disagreements or uh, you'll never have your feelings hurt. The, the truth of the matter is this. If you've been in the church more than about two weeks and you're breathing air, those things are going to happen. Because, as I mentioned earlier in this series, the church is people, and what do people do? They do people stuff. And so those things are going to happen, but we also have a prescribed method of addressing and dealing with those issues, which is what Paul's told us in the letter to Ephesians and what we've been looking at for the last two months. And so, if you find yourself fuming and and wearing your hurt around like a badge and pulling away from your brothers and sisters, he's got you. He's got you right where he wants you. Your brother is never your enemy. I'm not going to go into a a whole... uh, dissertation today on the powers and authorities and the hierarchical structure of the demonic realm. I don't, I I honestly, I'm not sure how much value there is in us knowing uh, the size of every demon and the expanse of its territory and how high they can count, except to know that they're real. Um, Spiritual warfare is, demons, the demonic realm, Satan and his minions, his agents, whatever, are a lot like germs. They're everywhere. You can't see them, but they're there. And it behooves us to be aware of that and to know that they're there. And that, as we'll see kind of as we progress here a little bit, is the essence of this passage, I believe. Verse 13, 14. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then. So, uh, three times in a sentence and a half, Paul says, stand. Stand, stand, stand. I I had coffee about, uh, I think it was last week actually now, with a, a dear old friend of mine, somebody that I used to know years and years ago and haven't seen in a long time and has some family here locally, so he was in the area and called. We had coffee, and um, he's also in ministry. We were talking, and he made the statement to me completely out of context. I don't remember what we were talking about, but he said something to the effect of, I don't believe the Lord is nearly as impressed with success as he is with faithfulness unto fruitfulness. Faithfulness unto fruitfulness. I um, I mentioned it or I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I, I do know that in a lot of teaching on this passage, the emphasis and the focus is on kind of a call to arms. It's sort of a, a very typically, in, especially in certain circles, a kind of armor up and go do great exploits for God. It seems to me the emphasis here is on staying in the game. So, so in, in my 
45 years uh, in the church and, and 35 years in ministry, I, I have um, seen a lot of people fall by the wayside. I've seen the devil's schemes take them out in countless crafty, sneaky ways. And some of them, many of them, were very, very gifted people. They were worship leaders and musicians. Some of the most amazing musicians I've ever seen, to be frank, in the world. Pastors, teachers, highly gifted prophetic people, highly highly gifted prophetic people. And, and, and they were doing great exploits for God. They really were. But the sad truth is this, that the thing they'll be remembered for is the thing that took them out of the game. It's tragic. So my goal, just between you and me, don't tell. My, my goal is to finish the race. My goal is to stay in the game till the final buzzer. I have said uh, numerous times throughout my life, and probably to you on more than one occasion, Psalm 71, 18 is kind of my life verse, but uh, I would have to say this verse is a close second. Um, Put on the former God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. I'm also not going to go into this morning a whole uh, dissertation on the various components of the armor and their purpose and what each one means. And and I'm not going to say that that isn't important. I am going to say this, though, that there are dozens of books and literally thousands of sermons by people way smarter than me on that topic. Um, I, I want to summarize by saying this today. I believe this passage is really about preparedness. More than anything else, it's about preparedness. It's about be strong in the Lord and be ready. Be strong in the Lord and be ready. And the ability to do that, to be strong in the Lord and be ready, I believe is contingent upon one thing, and that is uh, the awareness of the dual reality of the kingdom of God. That yes, we are aware, we are conscious, there is reality in the world around us and what we see and what's happening moment by moment, day by day in the course of our lives, that's all real. But equally real is what we don't see, what's happening all the time all around us in the spiritual realm. And if we're not aware of that, it can be incredibly harmful to us. It's, it's as real as what we see. So... Uh, in, in, I'm just going to leave you, uh, and I, this is the conclusion to our study in Ephesians. And uh, I, it's been, I love Ephesians. It's a great book. I hope it's been enjoyable for you guys. But two kind of final thoughts to close it out. One is your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your brother is never your enemy. I, I just, I, just I, I encourage you with all my heart to, to not allow the enemy to sow dissension or discord in your own heart towards your brother and sister. And when you feel those things, to do everything within your ability, we can't always repair every broken relationship. But to do everything within your ability to repair those relationships and to keep them uh, upright in the Lord. And then finally, stand, stand, stand. Stay in the game and let that be your legacy.
There, there, there have been, I, I mentioned, you know, people that were kind of washed out of the game, but I'll tell you, my heroes of the faith are those folks that finished the race. I, I'm, a big, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Billy Graham fan, and Billy Graham probably responsible for, you know, sharing the gospel with more people than probably anybody ever in the history of the world. It doesn't impress me that much. What impresses me is he just stayed in the game. You know, he ran the race. That's when I think about Billy Graham. That's what I think about, and I'm and I'm telling you. I mean, I I know I do not in any way diminish the accomplishments he made in the kingdom of God. I mean, I heard Billy Graham speak at Anaheim Stadium in 1974, and I can tell you the verse he spoke on was Psalm 109 about loneliness. You know, but. He finished the race. And so let that be your legacy. Let that be the thing that marks your life, that I, I walked my life and my relationship out in the presence of God and finished the race. Amen? Good morning. I'm going to use paper today. It's kind of weird. Uh, so we're going to do a quick little look at... Um, Advent, and then uh, we're going to do some candle lighting. Hopefully that is the total of what we light on fire this morning. So. Um, who loves Advent? See, everybody loves Advent. Advent is, it's an awesome time of the year. Um, who loves Christmas? Everybody loves Christmas. Who loves going out amongst crowds and Christmas shopping? There are three hands. That's good. You guys are impressive. Impressive. Uh, <laughs> she does, yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about Advent because we, we use the term a lot. Um, so not everybody knows, but uh, probably most of you do because you love Advent, that Advent means arrival. Um, and what we're really doing is celebrating the arrival of Jesus. Uh, and, you know, it's... Uh, if you look it up in the, the dictionary, Advent is really the arrival of a, a person or an event or of a thing. So it could be the advent of television, I think is what I saw on the, um, the dictionary.com definition. Uh, so it could be the advent of something like that. Um, this is the advent of Jesus that we're talking about. Um, and we celebrate it, and we use the word celebrate because it's the arrival of something great. Not just not just the arrival, the recognition of baby being born, but it's something great. Uh, so there are other things uh, when you think about arrival. There are other other kind of um, things that happen or would be, would be described as an arrival. So an example might be a collision. Uh, that that's an arrival of sorts, right? And sometimes um, we we think about the the arrival of things as just they just kind of blew up on the scene, uh, and there's this collision. Um, and it's, it's true at some level, but that's not really why we celebrate. But this is a collision of sorts, uh, certainly. Um, you know, there's the arrival as in, I have arrived, right? Um, I'm sure, you know, like when Tucker walks in the room, there's sort of this, <laughs> I have arrived. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, you know, it's a person of fame uh, that, that arrives in the moment. Uh, and... <laughs> there, there is some truth to that as well, but that's not really why we celebrate, uh, right? Um, there's, there's this arrival like your time has come. Uh, it's arrived, and sometimes that's 
that's uh, that you're getting what's due or that, you know, a good thing has happened, your birthday or something. The time has arrived. There's this arrival of, of a time in life. And that's true, too, that there's, there is some, the time has come. It's happened here. Uh, but that, again, it's not really why we celebrate. We are celebrating um, the coming of our Savior. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot more than just a, a person or some collision or some, um, some time or some moment. It is really uh, our Savior, uh, the one who can restore my relationship with God, make, make that right again. Um, it's a collision, I alluded to that, because uh, it's the kingdom of God come amongst us. It's a collision of, of uh, this amazing spiritual realm that Glenn just talked about coming in, in flesh. Right? It's this pretty, pretty amazing thing. God has become man, and that's a collision. Uh, it's, it's certainly a person of fame, um, the, the best-selling biography of all time, uh, and, uh, and, and certainly has uh, the longest standing birthday celebration of any human in history, right? Uh, um, so there's a lot of fame there, um, and, uh, and it's certainly a time that has come. It was much prophesied, and we're going to look at some of those as we, as we celebrate Advent, and uh, it was certainly anticipated uh, by many. Um, but again, we celebrate because our lives are made new, because that, that place in us that's full of of, of sin and shame and fear um, gets touched uh, by the hand of God transformed and changed into something new that's full of, of beauty and purity and love. And we get transformed into that because of this arrival. Um, last note on it uh, as we come up to the season is that, you know, uh, this season can also build some anxiety, which... It's a little bit different than anticipating the arrival. Uh, and so uh, I just want to encourage us to let's focus on the arrival of all this, this uh, incredible, um, amazing thing in our lives. Let's not get anxious. Let's not get all wound up and strung out by what the world has made this. Let's, let's continue to stop and reflect. And even if you get a little wound up during the week... When you come here and we light the candle, um, come and just uh, be grateful for God um, and his, his love and willingness to, to come and meet us uh, and make the sacrifices necessary to do that. Um, so at a practical level, we're going to light candles every week. Um, there, are, there are five candles, and they all have different, different meanings. There's um, hope, peace, joy, and love, and we're going to talk about those things as we go forward. There's a, it's in a circle just to represent eternity, and then there's a center candle that represents Christ that we'll light uh, during our Christmas Eve service because we're not getting together on Christmas. Um, so we're going to do that at kind of a, a practical level. So today, um, what I'd like to do is start the lighting process. Um, so uh, Emma Shea is going to come up in just a second, uh, as soon as I get out of the way here, um, and then. She's going to do a reading and then uh, and light a candle. Um, and then I'd like to, uh, as Stephen's up here playing, um, we can switch the lights uh, and have some time, have the ministry team come up and use this time right now to do that. Stop, reflect, acknowledge, and just and, and build your anticipation, your excitement for the coming Christ. Um, I want to open up ministry for, uh, for a couple things. One is if coming into the, the Christmas season, you get anxiety. 
um, uh, then love to have uh, you come up and get prayer. Um, and if uh, other two things from what Glenn talked about, if if you feel like I have some broken relationship, my brother has become my enemy, uh, come up and get prayer for that. Um, absolutely. And the, the third thing is, uh, man, I feel like it's really hard to stand and keep standing. Um, then come up and get prayer for that. Of course, it's always open uh, for all the other things, emotional, physical healing, but encourage people to come up. If ministry team folks can come up uh, now, then we can get that going. You want to switch the lights and we'll do the reading. I, I would like to share one thing before, <laughs> if that's okay. So uh, as uh, Cindy was saying earlier that uh, we need to, to remember, we remember the past, what, uh, what Jesus did for us. And uh, I felt that time that we need to remember the past to be able to appreciate the present and to have, uh, uh, have hope for the future. So, <clears throat> uh, since our candle is going to be the hope for today. So, uh, this is uh, Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. <clears throat> 